doing this again, uh, bringing it back to the beginning uh, when I first met you. Met you at uh, ALX Communities, and I was passing by, and I saw you in one of those little uh, phone booths. And like, yeah. you look like you were rapping or something. So I was like, when I see you again, I, I got to catch up and see what's going on. And I remember that's when you told me about the 17 albums in 17 months. Yeah, that's exactly what I was doing. So um, you were perceptive in knowing that, um, that that I was making music. You probably seen that look in the artist's eyes before. Yeah. And you yeah, can see like, yeah, the, the animation uh, and excitement all uh -huh. at the same time. Um, so you knew exactly what it was. And then we just started chopping it up. And it just so happened there was so much overlap in the things that we were doing both artistically and business-wise. So it was like we were on parallel journeys right next to each other and we didn't even know it. Right, right. In the same space, too. Yeah. That's crazy. So what made you even want to uh, partake in the 17 albums in 17 months? That's a serious, that's a serious uh, achievement, man. You know what I'm saying? You have to have a lot of confidence in your production, your engineering, your rap, you know what I'm saying? Everything being efficient. So what made you even want to uh, try to undertake that? Um, it wasn't like a stated mission, to be honest with you. Mm -hmm. I just realized I was doing it at that pace, right? Okay. So it wasn't something that like I consciously set out to be like, yo, I'm going to do this. And this is like the, the milestone for me. I just... The pace that I was recording at, I was like, yo, I'm actually somebody actually brought it to my attention. It was my cousin. He's like, yo, you know, you're doing like an album a month right now. And when I thought about it, I was like, yo, that's actually a pretty good wave to try to ride. And then it was kind of like a personal challenge to myself and not only being able to be consistent and have like the discipline to do it, mm -hmm. but could I do it well? Right? right. And not have a drop off in the quality and just do it to achieve like that that metric it was like yo can i actually enhance and evolve as an artist with every um album that i put out and to me that was like the greatest greater measure of like success was people that i really respect their ear and they have like you know uh nuanced refined uh, ear for music mm -hmm. and for them to like validate it and be like yo i don't even know how you're always interesting me with your albums. Like I'm, I'm looking forward to you dropping it as opposed to like it being like a, a homework assignment for them to go and listen right. to something. Right. So like it, the numbers are great. And that's the thing that's kind of like the hook, like to say that you did it, but really the measure as an artist is like, are people enjoying every single thing that I'm doing? Right. And, right. and I think I was able to do that pretty well. Right. Right. And I was just telling you before I was listening to your album uh, retro. And, right. you know, one of the things, so there's a few things that stick out to me about it. One is you, you can definitely flow. Like, your, your rap is on point. You hit hard from the very beginning, from yeah. the very first track. You don't waste no time, man. You jump into it quick. And yeah. I like that. I like that. And then, it, you know, your, your flow fits well with your beats you select. You right. know, so it's got, definitely got that 90s feel to it. Definitely got that 90s feel. Um, how do you, first of all, what's your creation process? And how do you, in that, how do you find the beats to work with? And, you know, because you're, you're, you pick really well. I don't know if you produce it yourself, but you pick really good beats to go along with your voice and your flow. Oh, I appreciate it. Uh, first of all, thank you for noticing that. It's something that I've consciously worked on over time, and I think I got better at it. Um, initially, when I started out, um, I was actually going out and curating beats myself, right? So I would, like, meet people on social media, be on Bandcamp, and all these different places where artists would, you know, uh, display and showcase their work, and I would go out there and try to find the beats um, and then eventually when I started making a lot of connections and contacts and I got a little bit of a buzz, people started sending me beats, right? So it made it a lot easier for me. Um, and people, you know, um, you're a producer yourself. So, you know, producers are very protective of their art. You know, with us rappers, we get to pick the beats we want to rap on. Mm -hmm. Sometimes when you're a producer, the, the artist picks the beat, right? So right. you may not necessarily vibe with the artist's specific, like, 
talent or their skill set. And, you know, it's a business deal for you. You just like they want it. I'm going to give it to them. Um, so it's cool to have people that actually listen and they say, hey, I think you would sound great on this. And it, it, it's, all, it's already curated. By the time it gets to me, it's somebody who knows like my creative style and right. they, they can see that I would sound good on those beats. And then you kind of build up this network of um, producers. And um, I think, to be honest with you, as an artist, the producer is the biggest part of the, of the song making process. Like, I don't think they get enough credit. I think they get the checks, like in the industry, if you look at it, um, the producers make a good good amount of money once right. they actually break. Right. Um, but they're really the most important part because they're, they're giving you the canvas to paint on, mm -hmm. right? Like my inspiration comes from the sounds that they create, right? So, you know, I don't, I don't write lyrics at all, right? So the music actually guides me into like the thoughts and, and the rhyme patterns and the cadences and the pockets that I find. So to me, the art, the as an artist, the producer is the most important part of the actual creative process. Right, right. That's interesting. So you don't write lyrics at all. So take me into that. So not writing lyrics you have in your head. Uh, is it almost like a photographic memory thing? Which you know what you're going to say. You know what kind of the cadence, or do you use it basically a really a freestyle off the top of the head when you rap? Um, it's a total freestyle, man. Um, okay. I have no idea what I'm gonna say. I just know that a beat has like inspired me and moved me. Mm -hmm. And the first part of it is kind of getting the tone and the cadence and how you're gonna rhyme. Like certain artists, they have the same rhyme on every beat, right? But they're really good at it, right? So they can make an entire career of rhyming the same way over just different beats, right? Um, and I kind of was the same way when I wrote because um, I would hear the beat and then I would sit there and I would literally roadmap a rhyme over the beat. Um, but I realized, like, I, I started experimenting um, and I, I would freestyle at the end of a song, right? I'd be like, okay, this is like the part where I could just be loose and let loose and just you know, shoot the half court shot and see what happens. Right. Um, and I started realizing that was my favorite part of the songs I was making was the parts when I was just kind of like riffing off the top. So I was like, let me see if I can actually do a whole song that way. If that's the best part of the song, let me let me make that the part of the song, the whole song built around that. Right. And because it's digital, like I come from me and you, same age bracket. So we come from the analog era. Right. So. Right. I started recording on cassette tapes. Like I used to go to Costco and buy, get have my mom buy like the the twenty four pack of Maxwell tapes. Yeah, and you had to learn your entire song. You couldn't breathe wrong. You couldn't sneeze wrong. You had to get the whole verse in one tape. Mm -hmm. So, um, it it trains you to, to to because you didn't have the luxury of being able to punch in at that point. So, like the muscle memory and the repetition, it it creates a proficiency level that when you go digital, it's almost like a cheat code. You're like, right. you can do this with your eyes closed. Mm -hmm. So being digital and being able to control like the, the actual engineering part myself, I can punch in whenever I want. Um, it, it, it's it's literally a cheat code to, to being able to create in the moment. Right. Um, and it also creates this experience for me. Um, I get to listen to my song as a fan because I don't even know what I'm saying, right? Like usually artists write the song, so they already know what it's gonna be. The only thing that the playback is giving you is how it prints it on the actual music, right? It's it's the, the delivery of it. You already know what you're going to say. You know every single part of the song. But when I'm starting, I have no clue what I'm going to say. So that playback is me listening to it as a fan. Like, oh, I said that. I, so there's an experience of listening to like the song as a person who doesn't even know what the song is, which is like a really cool part of being um, able to create in that format. Yeah, now that's, that's fascinating. That's fa it reminds me almost of the difference of a jazz musician riffing 
Exactly. Like a classically trained musician who's just writing what's on or playing what's on the sheet, you know? It, it, that's that's a very good comparison, yep. So in that, I can see how that can be beneficial flow-wise, to, to, you know, to play with the beat and play with different rhyme schemes like that. But does it affect your lyrics at all, the depth of your lyrics? Because like when I listen to your lyrics, it, it's very intricate. You talk about some real things. You're talking about some things that you, it seems like you had to think about. So do you do you think it it, it affects the depth of your lyrics at all? Yo, the irony of it is when I put the pen down, my wordplay went to another level. Oh, really? Okay. Um, and like, I, 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 that's God's work. You know what I'm saying? That's the, right. it's innate, right? I, I can't take credit for that. These are just thoughts. Where did the thoughts come from, right? So I, 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 I'd be, um, I, I don't take credit for that part of it. Um, I think what I was able to do was um, through practice and repetition, um, I ascended to a level of mastery that I didn't even think existed, right? Um, and if you do something long enough, like it becomes unconscious. Think about like your first day driving, right? Think of like, I, I remember when I was doing like, my, I got my my learner's permit right. and I was looking at people. I was so shook. I had my hands on what 11 and two, had my seatbelt on, had my seat all the way up. Right. All my mirrors were perfect. I was like, you know, erect and per the whole time yeah. I would right. see people driving by me and they had their hand out the window or, you know, they would be leaning back and I'd be like, how, how can they do it? Right. And it was just that they drove so many years. That guy drove for 30 years. That's how he's that comfortable. And you're able to go from like that stiff driving experience to now you can text somebody, you can be eating a burrito, you can, you know, you're doing all these different things and you don't even know that you did all these things while you were driving. And if you do something long enough, then there's like a level you get to where um, you're almost on autopilot, right? Because you know all of the ways. You don't need to look at a GPS. Like, you know exactly how to get home from work, right? So right. if the road gets blocked, you know how, you know the side street to go on. And artistry is, is like that. If you practice enough, you get to a point where you can do things unconsciously that other people may not be able to, like, even believe. Like, how can you get to that point? But it's just a matter of putting the time and the work in, and eventually you're going to get to that point. Right, that ten thousand dollars they talk about. Ten thousand, exactly right. Yeah, so bring it all way, bring us all the way to the back, uh, back to the beginning rather. When did you actually start rhyming? When did you start, you know, working on songs and 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 creating? Um, so my first rap was in high school. I had a friend of mine from the. It was a transplant from New York City, and um, we were at his mom's house one day, and um, he played a tape for me. And I was like, oh, that sounds pretty good. And he was like, yo, that's me. And I was like, oh, how you, how did you do that? And like, I was just fascinated because I had never thought of actually being an artist, right? I'm, I'm just a fan. I'm a consumer of this culture. I never thought I could participate actively. And he showed me how to do it. He's like on a, on a karaoke machine with a little $5 mic from Circuit City to blow plastic with all the static and feedback. Um, <laughs> and we figured it out and we started making tapes. Right. Um, and that was like kind of my entree into like music and actually seeing myself on the other side. Um, of the transaction as, as a creator, as opposed to just a consumer. Um, and then I did it a little bit, um, you know, I was distracted by all the things that you go through when you're in your, you know, late teens, early twenties. Um, and I kind of got jaded and, and tired because it was so inconvenient, right? Like, I think this generation takes for granted the advantage of having a phone in their pocket that they can literally record an entire song and post it to the entire world on, right? right. Like in our days, 
you had to record it and then now you have one cassette that you can hand to like a person in front of you right how long would it take you to get a thousand people to listen to your song right now you could just upload it in 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 30 minutes it's all over the world yeah even like produce it you know what i'm saying like i remember i had to save up an npc yeah. save up for like months for an npc and i got the npc but now like you said on the phone i can pull up band lab and just create a beat right there you know and then the distribution part of it like so like that's one part of it is being able to actually create but then how do you distribute that right like so if you had the npc you put in the hours you were able to make a beat how do you get that beat to anybody right, right. you actually physically have to run up on people and say hey listen to this right <laughs> right so right you a button and somebody in china's like not into your stuff making a tiktok video like overnight mm -hmm. um so like the gravity and the, the what it took um I think it was discouraging for me. Like you put all that work in and you can't really see any kind of return on it. And then you start thinking, oh, there's other ways to, to actually make a living that's, that's a little more easier and practical. So I took a long hiatus, you know what I'm saying? Like like literally like 15 years, I didn't touch a microphone. Um, I always liked to, to, to like write poetry and stuff like that, but I didn't actively record anything. Right. And then um, 2016, um, I said, let me start recording again because I had... GarageBand on my, I didn't even know GarageBand came on Max. I had all, I had like three Macs at the time. I didn't even know that I had recording, a recording studio right on the computer I was using the whole time. Uh, so yeah. I was like, let me buy like, a, you know, a, a, a Blue Yeti mic and just mm -hmm. see how I found, see if I still got it, if I could shake the rust off. And I sent it to some people and they were like, yeah, yeah, you still got it, man. So right. um, that, that was kind of like the genesis of like the second act of my music, musical career. Okay. Yeah. But I mean, you never know in the long run that might have helped you, you know what I'm saying? Because you had all those years. Because I'm seeing almost like for me producing, it sounds like a lot of the same things. I took 12, 13 years off producing. Yeah. And and, and for, for different reasons. I was just, you know, I wanted to focus on something else. And yeah. then, you know, it's just this different reasons. But now, like like we were talking about before, I kind of got back into it, but now I have all these ideas. I'm like, okay, actually, I, I, I could have done like this the first time. I'm gonna do it like this this time, you know. So it's like it's almost like a dam holding back water. Holding yeah. back so long, and then all of a sudden it breaks loose, and now I'm like, so, okay, I got all this stuff. Saying, you know, yeah. it sounds like the same thing with you, you know? Yeah, and it's um, like when you leave, like you, you were an artist that was contemporary at that time, right? So you were tapped into everything sonically, um, the trend of everything. Right. And when you take a big enough hiatus, and you know, like hip hop is such a, a fast moving genre of music, like. There's literally every three months there's a different sound that comes out. And then that becomes kind of like the, the thing that's at the forefront of the music. Right. So I, I had that experience and I, I know you kind of told me about it when you were dipping back into the producing, like the game changed so much. And um, like you might have walked away. Like if you look at like 2K, you might have been like a 98 ranking mm -hmm. when you left. And then you come back and you're like, oh, man, I got to get back in shape. I got to right. learn like the different rules of the game. Like you can't hand check anymore. So I got to learn how to play like, you know, off ball and um, yeah. people flopping like, all around the place. <laughs> yeah. You're just like, what happened? Right. 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 It takes a little bit of time to get your rhythm back and to get into game shape. But I think the people that come from our era, like we had to work so hard initially mm -hmm. and there was such a high barrier for entry that we can quickly adapt to whatever it is, right? Because it's just a matter of kind of like getting your footing and and kind of just getting kind of a, like calibrating yourself to what's going on. Right. And then um, like the advantage that we have will supersede any kind of challenge that we have in the short term. Because once we really get our foot in, then it's like, yo, we can not only do whatever is trending in the moment, but we can bring a whole new perspective 
and this evolved skill set and the nuance that a lot of the the guys that just got into the game can't bring. Right. That's true. That's true. So going back to your musical process, how you complete songs. So, you know, you got the beat, you flow to the beat. Um, no, no, no songs you write. You just go everything off the top of the head. Once you have that on the on the track, uh, what's the engineering process look like? Do you engineer the song yourself? Do you send it out to be engineered? What's what's that look like? Um, I do everything except the production. Okay. Right? So okay. like essentially like an entire label stack. So it'd be like the AR in part, picking the beats, um, the recording, the engineering, um, the album art, the packaging, the distribution. I just can't produce. And not because I don't want to, I just, I'm not good at it. Like yeah. I, I took a step and I was just like, yo, there's no way, like the, the skill gap is so big for me. I just don't have, um, I don't have a, like a natural inclination to it mm. and I don't love it enough to become great at it. You know what right. I'm saying? Like if, okay. if, I, if I loved it enough, I could have put the work in and eventually get to a proficiency level that would be enough to, to but I, I, that gap is so big and I'm so much um, more in love with, like the spoken part of it, like the performance right. part of it, that I'm just like, yo, this is, I want to do the part of the thing that I love, right? That makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. Plus, it's only so much time in a day, you know? You can't, to, to to produce on that level and to rap on the level that you rap on, that's going to take a lot, you know, a lot of time. You might not be able to do 17 albums in 17 months at that rate. Definitely you know? not. Yeah, that, that it'll, come, it, it'll increase my workflow by a factor of like 20, like to be able to get, and especially if that's my weakness. Right. Like, so I, yeah, it'll be a huge handicap for me. But um, it, it's great to be able to have platforms um, like BeatStars and um, Bandcamp. And, you know, you just start networking with people. I mean, that's the great side of social media is the fact that you can meet people that have common interests. And um, like people I would have never um, been able to actually ever come across in real life. Right. I've seen up social media that I'm like really close with that I built like really strong friendships with. And we met because of a post that I commented on or they commented or DM me. And then, you know, we became real close off of that. Okay. Um, so artists today have a lot of advantages that people that came in when me and you came in don't have. And um, I, 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 they should just be, um, they should be grateful and, and not feel entitled and jaded um, because they don't know the world before like they had access to all of this stuff and the ability to distribute their music and their art so easily. Right. Right. How do you think that's affected the music itself? Having that easy access, having that, uh, you know, that connection, ability to connect with people halfway across the world or, or not even halfway across the world, across the world. And how do you think it's affected the, the sound of the music? Um, that, That's a great question, man. I mean, um, that's, it's, 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 that's such a profound, like, subject to, to unpack. Um, I think the biggest shift from mining your era, like when we came in to, to right now, like somebody that's coming in right now is the entry barrier was higher when we started. Right. You had to love it and you had to be good at it. Right. That was the requisite, the prerequisite to get into it. Um, now, I don't think talent, is, I think talent and artistry is almost an inconvenience. Um, I think celebrity is what drives it, you know? And I think that be, when celebrity becomes the primary metric, um, it opens the door to anybody who is less talented, that's less driven, that's put in less work. And they're able to get a lot further 
because they're able to cut through and bypass the work part. All they have to do is get attention. And if getting attention is your primary motivation, it's not going to be through art. It's going to be through shock. It's going to be through awe. It's going to be through doing things that evoke emotions from an audience. And you, you have to write 100 Grammy nominated songs to get the amount of coverage that you would get from doing one crazy thing online and getting a bunch of attention. Right. So the most negative behavior gets the highest reward. Right. So I think that definitely the quality of music and the standards have gone down, but it's because they're not artists anymore. They're just celebrities. And the people that are coming into music are not there because they're driven by promoting and creating their art and sharing it with the world. They're driven by becoming a celebrity. So the music is almost like a distraction from what they're really there to do. It's, it's just a road that allows them to actually get in there. Um, I had a line in my uh, artificial album. Um, it was uh, a reasonable doubt mindset since nine, six. Now it's a six, nine mindset that gets the guys lit. You see that flip, you know what I'm saying? And that's exactly what encapsulates what's happening right now. Mm-hmm. Like Kendrick is undeniably one of the most talented people of the newer generation. Right. He needed a cosign from Dr. Dre to get on, <laughs> right? <laughs> so talented as he was, he needed a 30-year veteran, essentially the GOAT, to get him into the game, right? right. Mm-hmm. So when, look at the calculation. The most talented guy needs the biggest guy to cosign him, right? Meanwhile, look at all these people that artistically are considerably lower, like as an artist, and they would probably admit it themselves. Mm-hmm. they're able to get on so easily and it's because the people that are gatekeepers now they weren't the people that were of the culture like when we were coming up mm-hmm. when we were coming up the people that were the gatekeepers in hip-hop came from hip-hop and hip-hop was on life support right me and you had to live through the era where c dolores tucker was trying to cancel nwa right, right? dmx got album of the year for billboard and he got the r&b award because Billboard didn't decide that hip hop was a viable. <laughs> this is 98, 1998. Right. They didn't even think hip hop deserved its own category. Right. So we, and that's kind of like where the cultural rift comes too, because we're invested. Like we feel like, yo, we had to support this thing when it was on life support and people thought it was a fad. Right. Mm-hmm. We supported it all those times. Somebody that's coming into the game right now, 50 Cent is old school to them. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. 50 Cent is cool Modi to us. right so by the time 50 got on he was doing 13 million on his debut so think of how much the art had evolved and it it became commerce so now it's not russell simmons that's running def jam it's some dude from a heart from harvard or some some ivy league dude that got in there and he's just looking at it like how do we monetize this how do we have a great um uh report our quarterly report for our shareholders right Mm -hmm. And they're looking at it and they're like, yo, it's going to take us so much time to, to, to cultivate and find the next Nas or the next Kendrick or the next Cole. But six Nas grow on trees. Mm. We can just find him, pump him up. As soon as he's, we cut our losses. He already yeah. made him hot. We're not even going to look at him until he gets hot, right? So the kid wants to get hot. That's, he's not trying to win a Grammy. He's trying to win the Gram. Right, right. <laughs> so he'll go do something crazy to get the attention, which yeah. will allow them to, to promote it. And they have no risk at that point because he already made himself out, and then they could just walk away. He goes to so you think, no, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. 
Bobby Smurda goes to jail. All right. See you later, bro. <laughs> it's been real. <laughs> Next one up. Yeah. Yeah. Now I got you. I got you. So you think it's been fully commercialized and it's now a business opportunity. It's now a commodity. It's a commodity for Absolutely a business, man. Right. If if Pepsi's trying to sell something, who are they going to get? They're, they're signing hip hop artists. They're not signing country. They're not right. signing rock and roll. When's the last time you've seen a rock and roll dude get a, a national commercial? It's been a while. It's yeah. been a while. Maybe Monday so, Night Football. <laughs> we're hip hop's an ATM, man. So when you have people that don't care about the culture and they're just there for a money grab, it changes everything, man. The whole calculation is different. So like people like us, like we sound like the old heads, like back in the day when they were listening to somebody like NWA, they'd be like, that's not music because they they listening to the Osley Brothers. They coming off of the Marvin Gaye. They coming off of, of, of like that era, the Gap Band. Right. And right. so and everything. Yeah. Yeah. Like so. So we sound like them. But like I didn't really connect the dots. The reason that we feel so like we feel the territorial about it and we, we protect it so much is because. We supported it when it when it, it wasn't a real thing, right? It was our going to Sam Goody and Tower Records and on Tuesdays and buying these albums that convinced the people in the boardroom that this was worth doing, even right. though they, they were doing everything in their power to shut it down, right? So we we at our own detriment and we financed this. Like if you go look at my CD collection, the amount of money that I spent on CDs between 1995 and 2005, I mean, I could have probably bought a brand new Beamer. Yeah, I'm with you. And before that, tapes. For me, I started out with the tapes. And now for $10 yeah. a month, you can get access to all the music in the world. Yeah, yeah. But it's kind of, I feel what you're saying, and I agree with you to a certain point, but to me, it seems like a double-edged sword. So in order to get to a certain level, so hip-hop, as we know, hip-hop is the number one selling music category, number one selling genre. It's, it's basically pop music at this point, right? I would even say it's the most influential art form of the last hundred years there's there's no, I, don't, I don't think you can point to anything that had the amount of impact socially culturally economically that hip-hop has had i, I think it's like a music genre this is a, like a, a this is a social culture at this point it's a phenomenon i can see that i, guess I, would, I would say jazz is up there too but I, I would i could definitely i could definitely see that let me ask you this if you walk on the street random street any city mm -hmm. say a jazz music musician and you say to Migos, or you say Kendrick, who who who's the who are more people going to be recognized, regardless of the demographic of the person well, you ask? Now Kendrick, but if we go back to the '60s, at that point, pre hip hop, it would be jazz. If you if you walked on the street back in those days and asked the people, like average person that wasn't into jazz, right, just just a random person, like it's the sample was just a random person on the street. I don't think the average person had the awareness of people in jazz the way that the average person. I think there's there are people that can recognize a rapper but don't know who the delegate in their city is. They don't know who the mayor of their city is. They don't know who the police commissioner is. Right. I got you. I got you. If, if, I don't think it ever it ever got to that point at any point. Really? So you don't think someone walked out and said Miles Davis or John Coltrane people would know who they were, even I don't if they think, weren't jazz musicians. Even if they I think if you showed I, I think if you showed a picture to the to a random person in the street back in those days, whatever those guys were at their peak. The average person would struggle versus right now you could point a hip hop artist to a soccer mom and she'll know who Cardi B is. They'll they'll know. Who, right. right about that. Yeah. Right. So I think back then it was people that were in music and that, that, that enjoyed music and they they consumed it. Right now, it could be somebody who's never bought a hip hop record, but they'll know who a hip hop person is. And that's the influence that everybody's tapping into. Politicians, they're all reaching to the hip hop. Trump went to Kanye. 
He didn't go to Toby Keith. He didn't go to Garth Brooks. He went to Kanye to get it. He went to Lil Wayne. He went to Kodak Black because because he knows behind the scenes that that's the thing that's going to have the most recognition and the influence. Right. So that's so, what I mean by saying influence. Right. So to that point, to that point, how can so with, with hip hop being so influential around the world, people, so many people gravitate to it. No hip hop artists. And it's just a part of culture, world, world culture. Right. It being so influential, there's going to be so many more people that want to do it. But so many more people want to do it. And on top of that, with the Internet and the, the barrier entry is so low, how can you keep the, the level of artistry high when you have so many people flooding to do it? And it's so easy to do at this point. Like, how can we? That's what I'm saying, like a double edged sword. Um, it seems like the more popular a genre gets and the more people that want to do it, naturally, the more quality, the, the more the quality is going to go down, to, especially if you put in the Internet. Yeah, I I think that that's I, I agree in principle. I think what happens is the quality is just not promoted. Like you have to go out there and mine for it, right? right? The thing that's promoted by the machine is the thing that's the easiest to sell. The thing that's easiest to sell is the thing that can get the most visceral, immediate reaction from people, right? Mm -hmm. So I think right now there's way more talented, like great artists, but they just don't get the shine. Back in the day, they would promote the talent, right? That was the thing that got it. Like Nas was Nas. So they promoted Nas. Um, but now they're not trying to find the next Nas because they're like, yo, it takes too much money to build. And it's also because they used to sell the CDs for $20 a pop, right? Mm -hmm. So even if you sold 500000 it's a $20 a pop. They're getting their money 100 times right. over. Right. Now you can't monitor. And then the thing is like, me and you probably know this, but the average person doesn't know when the record industry realized that streaming was the way of the future and they couldn't stop it because they got they got their head busted by Napster. And then Steve Jobs came in and <laughs> when they were sleeping at the wheel trying to sue like artists for for um like or like random people for copyright infringement, Steve mm -hmm. Jobs figured it out. He made the iPod, he made iTunes, and then he became the biggest music retailer. And then that was the nail in the coffin for traditional music. They can't press up these CDs anymore. They went and cut deals with Spotify and all these other streaming services to give them preferential treatment and contracts that are favoring the label. And the labels basically conceded all of their artists. And they, you know, they have that right in the in the in the deals that they signed with these artists initially. So the labels still get paid. The artists, just to give you an idea, um, like it takes 10,000 streams to make like three dollars on a streaming service. Wow. Right. Versus. You could sell like I bought singles. Remember maxi singles? Like yeah, so, I used to pay six dollars for a maxi single, mm -hmm. and I used to buy ten of them, like a month, right? right? So right. now all that money's gone from the record industry, and the record industry went from like I think it was like seventy six billion dollars a year to like thirteen billion dollars a year in one year. Right, right. All that money went away, right? So now they're like, okay, art is not what we're selling. We're actually in the business of of selling uh, like heat. At any given time, whoever's hot, that's what we're pumping. And we want to make the easiest thing to sell the hottest thing in the world. Yeah, so conflict like, of interest. You're right. And that's what they also start doing the 360 deals on top of that to get uh, a piece of the market. Yeah. Right. Everything. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it, so it, it's like they went from it went from more of a meritocracy. Right. Because what was rewarded and incentivized was artistry for the label, for the artist, for everybody. Right. For the consumer. And then as soon as they realize that they can't monetize it at the scale that they need to, then they're like, we're not going to be selling art anymore because that there's no business. There's, it, it's a loss to sell art. 
By the time you you develop an artist, put a promote promotional package for them, get them on all the places that you got to get them, and you're getting streams. Nobody's buying CDs anymore. Mm-hmm. For them, the math doesn't make sense, and they yeah. don't love it enough yeah. to actually to take a loss on it. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So why would they not? If you're only looking at hip hop from just a pure business standpoint, why would you not? Why would you would have to invest in somebody who's already has a following from their social media and everything like that instead of, like you said, investing in a Nas early on and then building his career yeah. or someone like that. So, man, so if someone came to you and said, you know, I have this deal on the table to sign with a major or I can go independent, would you advise that they stay independent or go with the major with all these things being considered? Um, that's situational. Um, so it depends on where you are. Um, and it depends on what they're willing to give you in the deal. Um, and it that answer is different for everybody, right? So if you've already created enough leverage um, and you've created a fan base on your own, right? Um, there's only a certain level that you can get to um, on your own. Um, if you're really trying to scale and you're trying to tap into like the resources and um, the relationships that the label has in place already with distribution, with um, like media markets and, and and being able to get you in places that you wouldn't otherwise be able to get to on your own. Um, if they're looking at it as risk assessment, they're like, okay, Daryl has created this much buzz. Um, he's able to, to, to fill out these venues and he's able to consistently sell that. Um, that considerably mitigates our risk. So we're willing to put the money in at a better uh, rate of return for him because he did a lot of the work that we would do anyways. We're just helping him kind of get over the finish line. So a person that's in that situation and they can they can hold out and negotiate, it would make sense to go with a with a major because they'll be able to actually bring enough value to validate whatever you're giving up in order to get their um, buy-in. Um, if you're just starting out, um, it depends on whether you have like the actual hustle and consistency and the resilience to 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 get to where they're gonna where they're gonna get you. Um, so they might be able to get you a lot faster to where you want to go. But for them to come in at that point, they're looking at it like it's a bigger risk for us. We're putting up all this money. And traditionally, most of our artists don't do what we think that they're going to do. So for us, this is a higher risk. So in order for us to be interested in working with you, then this is the deal that we're going to give you. And a lot of times somebody that that um, that doesn't feel like they can or they, they've hit a ceiling as far as how much they can do on their own. It might be worth it to sign with them to be able to get up into the breakfast club. Or to right. be able to get on Hot 97 that they would never be able to get on their own. And then they'll look at it like I can use that as an opportunity and a billboard to be able to get my name out and build that celebrity currency that they need mm-hmm. to be able to sign other deals, um, to be able to springboard into other relationships. But then it, that also depends on the 360 deal. So, you know, the labels aren't stupid. They're like, yo, we got you on Charlemagne. We got you on Jimmy Kimmel. Now you're a big time celebrity. So if you go and sign a sponsorship deal, we want part of that as well. Right. right. So so like it's all like give and take. The more you're able to reduce the risk for a potential investor. And this is the business side of it. We're both startup founders. So we kind of see it when we're building our startup. The more value you're able to create in a situation, the more people are going to be interested in working with you and the better di- better terms you're going to be able to negotiate. So like that hustle and that grind and that value that you build on your own momentum and your own steam and your own energy is what's going to allow you to be in the in, in to command and demand the best type of deal. Um, 
So to answer your question, that was a long-winded answer, but it just depends on um, it's situational. Like I, I wouldn't right. say blanket deal. Some artists it makes sense to sign with a label. Some mm -hmm. artists, I can, you know, we can do a partnership or we can do some sort of a deal where you offset some of my deficiencies, and I'm able to, I'm willing to concede, um, you know, certain parts of the deal in order to get, you know, the attention or whatever you're going to be able to bring me. Right, right, yeah. Like you said, it's all about leverage, yeah. leverage and ownership. Like. To take it back to the startup world, it's a lot. The, the dynamics of that are the same as should I get investor funding or not? It's not. It's not as simple as like yes or no. It's like where do you? What's the investor getting you? How much do you have to give up in order to get that? Can you bring yourself to a certain level to change the leverage, to change yeah. the the pool that you have in the deal? So it's the same. It's the same situation. Same thing that you're talking about, basically. You know. Yeah, it's a parallel journey. Like essentially, if you want to simplify it, um, an artist is a startup. Right. So it's just the roles just change. So the artist is the startup. Um, the the labels are the VCs. Right. And right. you have different levels of VCs. You got like angel investors that invest earlier on. They're more tolerant to risk. Um, and then you got like the big guys, like the Excel partners or the Sequoia. And that would be like Atlantic or right. um, like Sony or somebody like that. Mm -hmm. Columbia. Um, and depending on where you are and depending on how much traction that you can get. Um, it reduces the risk for the investor and that makes them more willing to even entertain the idea of partnering with you. And you need partnerships at every level of business, right? Like Google partners with people. Technically, they can build everything under the sun, right? They would never have to partner. But the reason that the partnership exists is because whatever you have, like money is not what, what's um, the prime metric for them. They have unlimited money. But the time to develop something that already works is the thing that they're buying from you. Right. So the partnership is based on you created a value that is is more valuable than the money that they're giving. So anytime a deal wants to investors only come in when there's a disproportionate return for them. Right. So you have to be comfortable with saying that the only reason that, that your interest is justified is because I'm undervalued. Right. <laughs> if you're overvalued, they're not coming in. They're not coming right. in at all. It's not um, the best interest, right? Exactly. So they're always looking for something that is minimal risk and is undervalued at the time. And they're trying to get in because they feel like their investment of a thousand dollars would give them a hundred thousand dollars back. Right. Right. Now that makes sense. That makes sense. I'm glad that's um that's something that a lot of artists need to know, and not us artists need to. And I mean, and th there's so much you could do um, on your own in this day and age. Like there, there's there's so many resources that are available to you. Um, and I mean, can you think about like an artist in like 98, what they would have to go to to even be able to record a demo? Like the the, the, the entry barrier for that? Yeah, it's a lot because you can't, you don't have the internet. This is pre-internet. So you have to find the producers on your own with the relationships. Studio time. Studio time. I mean, not even get to the point of distribution and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So you like it's it's I can see how you like how you got frustrated. I can see how artists would get frustrated. Like I have so many hurdles to climb. Yeah. Before I even get uh a chance, you know. So right. Right. No, I understand. I, I I get you. I get you. So uh going back to to the heyday. So I, we, I it sounds like we both think like the nineties was the for at least for me, I know I think the nineties is the pinnacle of hip hop as far as uh talent is concerned, as far as just pure talent. Like when I came up and I listened to, for instance, Red Man or, or Wu Tang or Nas, I never thought I, oh, I could do that. I could I could do something like that. It was so far above my skill level. And right. So it, it's just like these are the pros right here. Who would you put 
I'm, I'm taking out I'm taking out Tupac. I'm taking out Biggie. I'm taking out Nas. I'm taking out Jay Z. Who be on your uh, '90s Mount Rushmore? We talking albums or we talking about artists? We talking about artists. <sighs> Fuji's. Okay. Um, artists or groups? It could be a group like Fuji's. Yeah. Wu Tang. Okay. Um. Like the whole West Coast movement, um, like that tree, the NWA tree, mm-hmm. um, it's such a, a vital part of hip hop. Like think of when you think Dr. Dre, think of everything that came from the tree of Dr. Dre, the M&Ms, the Snoops, the 50 Cents, mm-hmm. the Kendricks. Like you can trace it all the way back to him. Think of Ice Cube and how impactful he was. Um, like those two guys were, I mean, I don't know how much they account for it. A couple hundred million records sold between the two of them. Yeah, so I would have to say NWA. They, I, I was a little young to to be like, because they came out like 88, 89. I wasn't, it, it, I was too young to be actually like a consumer of hip hop at that point, but their impact was definitely felt all throughout the 90s. Um, and then the same thing with Wu-Tang. So many people kind of like sprawled out from that that are still relevant today. Like if Ghost drops an album today or Raekwon drops an album today, like hip hop stops, mm-hmm. right? Everybody stops and, and listens and, and pays homage. Um, and uh man, man, there's so much talent, bro. Uh yeah. like even like for me, MOP, like consistently good. Like I've never heard a bad album from them. Um LL, like how can you not say him, right? Mr. Yeah. Smith. About three decades, too. Yeah, the, the guy just never fell off, man. Like he just kept reinventing himself. He bodied everybody along the way. Um, and like I think that that's that's where like the separation came. Like if you look at hip hop is like like in a linear way, right? And you see like the guys that first started hip hop, right? Like the Grandmaster Kaz and and those guys and the way they were rhyming, right? And then you kind of see the evolution from them to like Run DMC. It wasn't that big of a gap, right? Right. right. Then like Rakim and and those guys came, right? And the Cool G raps, and you're like, oh, there's a big gap between like Run DMC type rhymes and yeah. like Cool G rap kind of rhymes. And then I think it, the crescendo was Jay-Z, Nas, Biggie, Tupac. Like, those guys took it as high as it can go artistically. Like, the, the, the inflection point was right there. And then from there, it's kind of just stayed where it was at. It never exceeded that. That was the peak of it. And that's why um, that plus the fact that we were fighting all of the forces that were trying to, like, like say hip-hop was a fad. And it was they were trying to limit hip-hop. Like, there was the government, like, Luke Campbell had to go to like the Supreme Court for freedom of speech, right? right. Um, you had all of these forces that were political and the FBI sending letters to NWA saying you can't say F the police. Um, so like we fought through all of that and supported them through that. Um, so like all those things together, plus like the 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 pinnacle to which like the art ascended to, I think that's what makes that the golden era. And then after that, all you gotta do is maintain, like don't mess this up. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, the, it's like the, 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 the team, like after Steph and all them, they get a 40-point lead, the bench comes in. Just just don't blow the lead, right? All we need to do is <laughs> win by one, right? So right. that's kind of like what the rest of the people had to do. That you, We kicked all the doors in. We set the precedent. We, we got you billion dollars valuations. We, we're giving you like these deals, these endorsement deals that now you're able to get just because you can say a couple of bars on a verse. That's all you got to do. Just maintain it. So like this generation's job isn't to really ascend. It's just to kind of like stay on cruise control and don't blow it. Mm, Okay. Okay. So um, 
lastly, taking everything into account, um, if you were talking to like the younger generation, right, and they were just starting out, what's something you can tell from from all your years of you know of being an artist, of seeing a lot of stuff as an independent artist? Um, what are some lessons learned that you know now that you can you know kind of give to a younger generation just starting out in hip hop? Oh wow, that's a great question. Um, I think hip hop is viewed in a different lens than other genres of music. Um, there's a journalistic ethic and authenticity standard that is held to hip hop. Um, I think we do it to ourselves, but I think it's because it's a very genuine and uncontrived form of art, right? Like Jackson 5, like the jazz musicians, these guys were polished, right? They, they had wardrobe. Um, th there was choreography. There was all kinds of stuff that was built into it that made it um, kind of different from the audience, right? So you go to a show and the artist was above you, right? Because they, they these guys are these heralded, um, polished, um, notable artists with hip hop. The dudes on the stage looked like the guys in the crowd. They were wearing the same shoes. They were talking the same way. It was literally streets to the stage. So over time, it created this um, this requirement of um, you had to be speaking your truth. Like hip hop, you always assume that the rapper is talking about themselves, right? When Britney Spears writes a song, Mariah Carey writes a song, when Adele writes a song, you don't necessarily think that it's her story. They're performing it. They're the presentation part of the art versus with hip hop when somebody doesn't write the songs when you're like what he didn't write that right so that's why like when you find out like people aren't really who they say they are and there's all these these conflicting things you're like yo you're this guy in the music but your history is not the same that's why like you raise your eyebrows and you're like oh okay that that's that's a red flag um i think that we it's a trap, man. That's why it's it's called a trap. We're in the trap. We we call we call it the trap, and it, the the game is a trap. Um, so like we box ourselves in, and like I've never seen this many tragedies in hip hop, right? Like we always had like this this danger part to it, but it wasn't like yo, ten rappers killed in like six months, and it's the double edged sword, right? Now it's popular. Now it's 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 transcended just beyond like a neighborhood or like a region. It's global, and like I, my advice to them is, don't let the pursuit of celebrity and what you think people think of you influence your art to the point where you become a prisoner of your own art. Um, and I see a lot of people that I'm like, you're in a situation that you don't need to be in that ends terrible because you said something you shouldn't have said because you were trying to impress somebody that you shouldn't be trying to impress. And the only person that made money in that situation was YouTube, was the lawyers, was the um, the correctional system, the, <laughs> the funeral home, like those people made money, right? You lived for whatever, 20 years, and you created a situation through the art form that was supposed to take you out of the situation you were in, but it brought trouble to your doorstep. And um, my advice is uh, don't let the art make you a prisoner of the content you create. Um, and it, it can be 
a tool for like ascension and like getting out of a situation, but I'm seeing it more being a tool for destruction and it's destroying the person that created it. Um, so I would like to change that in hip hop. I don't see these other genres of music, the people dying and being in, in trouble and incarcerated in um, the way that we are, right? So let's, let's, let's not be the most money-making genre of music, but also the one that's feeding the correctional system and it's feeding these lawyers and all these other people that are ancillary kind of predators that are reaping the benefit of stuff that we're creating because of the mentality that we're stuck in. Right. That's great advice. That's yeah. definitely great advice. And I don't want to keep you here too long. So uh, lastly, we'll just end off with this. Let us know what you got coming up for 2022. I got, I just uh, checked out that last album, uh, Retro, great album. And let us know what you got. What else you got coming up? Um, so I took a little bit of a hiatus. Um, this is like the longest time I t I've taken off. Like, so I took like what three months, two months off. Yeah, well deserved, <laughs> man. Well deserved break. <laughs> yeah. So I, I was scared that I would be rusty. Um, so like I actually have a project coming out with um Furious Styles. He's a great producer out of Gary, Indian of uh East Chicago, Indiana. Um, kind of a throwback to your era, my era. Um, so I did an EP for him. It's called The Basement. I think it's dropping um, in uh, April. And then I'm going to get back to like the album a month, uh, second half of the year. Um, I'm just doing a lot of features for people that supported me. Um, a lot of artists that were fans of mine that wanted to collaborate with that I didn't have a chance to reach out to them because I was on that run. So now I'm just like kind of responding to them and supporting them and showing them love as well. Um, but uh, definitely there's going to be six projects uh that I'm going to drop between now and the end of the year. Um, and another thing that I, you didn't say, I didn't say it yet, but um, one of the things I pride myself on is using, not using profanity in my music. Right? right. And I wasn't always that way. I'm not being judgmental. I understand like creative license and art. Um, and sometimes you need those words and you need that imagery to paint the picture that you're trying to paint. Um, but um I think that it's it's rare and I think it's notable and um, being able to have music that anybody of any age and never have to check that explicit button when you're submitting to 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 Spotify. That's like one of the things I hang my hat on and still being able to um, paint a picture that's vivid and enjoyable for the listener. So anybody that's listening that's not familiar with my music, um, no pen, but no profanity either. All right. That's, that's really impressive, man. Where can we find you at? What's your what's your handle? Uh. Abel Mary, A-B-E-L-M-E-R-I everywhere. Instagram, Twitter, um, website is abelmary.com, A-B-E-L-M-E-R-I.com. Um, and then you could just, if you Google my name, it, it'll, like a lot of this stuff will pop up on the first page um, on all the streaming platforms. But if you're going to support and you want to, if you feel moved enough to actually purchase, you can purchase directly off my website. And, um, you know, you get 100% of that as opposed to like 70% when they buy off iTunes. Right, right. Everybody that's tuning in, Abel Mary, I appreciate it, man. Thank you, man. And, and let me salute you, man, what you're doing in um, in the tech space and bridging the gap between um, technology and art yeah, is commendable, man. It's not easy to do. I know I know what it takes. I know all the all the behind the scenes effort and all the dots you have to connect and all the obstacles that you have to um, basically either think your way around or climb over, especially being a minority in the tech space, um, what you've done with Base Parlor, like I'm an active member on that. I think it's commendable and we need more people like you to show us that we don't 
only have to be consumers of technology. We can actually be the creators of the technology as well. I appreciate That's that. Good, man. I appreciate that. Yeah, man. So I'll talk to you soon, man. I'll talk to you soon. Everybody check out Abel Mary's uh, uh, music everywhere. Spotify, Apple Music, his website. Go ahead and get, yeah. get it from his website directly. And uh, I'll talk to you soon, man. It's been a pleasure. All right, bro. Appreciate it.